Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, choir. Um, so many times on Sundays, I'm often running around, and by the time I get in here, I'm here in the very end of the choir, so I've gotten to hear them a lot more today. So thank you for leading us in worship and um, leading us just to the throne of the Lord. Um, for those of you who are here um, most Sundays, you know that I'm not Pastor Brooks, our senior pastor. He is away today. Um, his daughter's playing an all-star tournament, so be praying for them as they travel and as they make their way back, and um, hopefully they've been having a lot of fun. I hadn't checked in to see how the scores have been going or the tournament bracket or anything, but um, be praying for them as they make their way back. My name is Jason Gamble. I'm the equipping pastor here. I work with our adult ministries for um, Bible study groups and discipleship groups and also with our, um, our ministry teams, too, to just support them and be there for them as well, as, as Brooks needs me to. And so lots of different things that we get to do together, and um, it's been a blessing over the last year or so to be able to transition from, into that role and, and to be able to um, have that opportunity to do that. Um, today we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, and we're going to be looking um, at, at what God's Word has to say for us, and um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm trying to ignore something. Just, okay, I'm sorry, okay. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, and, um, you know, why do they make phones that when the battery's going dead, they just won't leave you alone? I mean, isn't that counterproductive if the battery's going dead and it just starts shaking and beeping? And, I mean, thankfully, the sound's all, hold on a second, I'm sorry. I've got to take care of something here. There's a problem. Thankfully, i got my backpack with me. I don't go anywhere without my backpack most of the time, so let's see. Okay, all right, somewhere in here, I know i got what I need. Let's see. All right, hold on. No, not there. Okay. There's too many pockets sometimes, but got a lot of stuff. Okay. This is what I need. Sorry. Okay. So I'm busy on Sunday mornings. A lot of people might, you know, at this time, usually everybody's kind of calmed down by now, but my phone is always text going off. Um, people try to call me and then they can't get me. And then I got to call them back. So just bear with me a second. I got to make sure we're good to go before we start. And um, they shouldn't be singing or playing over here. I just got to remember to get it before I'm done. So, um, so we'll just put it right here. They might step on it. You know, that'd be bad. All right. Good to go. All right. Plugged in. Whew, okay, you know, that drives you crazy when that happens. When your power is running out and you can't keep it going, it's just, it'll drive you crazy. And, you know, it seems like they've got so many different things. They're having to get stronger and stronger batteries. And, and that one's okay, but I guess it just wasn't plugged in last night. And it wasn't going. It wasn't connected. You know, it, it just will drive you absolutely crazy. And you've got to be able to find that power source. And, you know, otherwise, we get so dependent on these things. And, and right now, I'm going to try to ignore it because it's way over there. How many of you would that drive you crazy right now if your phone was way over there and you were way over here? Just raise your hand. You can admit it. No? Would it drive you crazy if that was happening? Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit. There was actually a psychological study that was done about this, and I, I did put it over there for a reason, and you'll see the reason in just a second. But, but there was actually a study that was done, a behavioral study on this, and they, they brought in a group, and the first group, kind of the control group, they, they took their phones away from them, and they had them answer some basic data questions, kind of gave them some information or had them recite back what's general knowledge and they had them kind of remember kind of a story of things or kind of things that data, data they gave them, try to recollect it. Well, the first group, they took their phone away from them, and it was in another room, and they said, well, we can't keep it in here because our diagnostic equipment, your phone will interfere with that, so we're going to put it over here. So the first group, they took it away from them, but they didn't do anything else to them. They just took the data and, you know, just they worked through the thing. They did okay. You know, everybody did fine as normal as you would expect. Well, the second group, here's where they got to have some fun. So they took their phones away from them and said, you can't have those. You know, the diagnostic equipment would, would be affected if we had those in here. So we've got to have those out of the room. And about five minutes into the conversation, as they're starting to take their test, they start calling their phone. And their phone starts going off. And the person taking the test says, um, I need to get that. And they said, no, I'm sorry, you can't get that. We're taking the test right now. You can't go, you can't go over there and check that out. You've got to stay right where you are. They said, you don't understand. I mean, that could be my family. You know, no, I'm sorry, you know, for the next whatever the time was, hour or whatever, you've got to stay right here. You can't go get your phone. You've got to stay right where you are. And it just drove them crazy. Well, they tested these groups and saw how they compared. And the people whose phones were going off in the other room 
were constantly distracted and they perform much worse. What they were talking about was the fact that basically we are to a point where we're with our phones so many times and our electronics and our things that we're so connected to them so many times that, that if we go without them, it can almost be almost like a, an anxiety issue, you know, that it causes a stress or worry. And we do get so connected, you know, and I joke with my kids, I talk to them about it because it's so different now than when I was a kid. And I feel like my parents, when I say that, but it's so different now than when I was a kid. This past week, Luke was, was saying he couldn't figure something out. And I'm like, okay, you've got an iPad in front of you and you've got Google. You know, just Google. You can do it. I'm like, you know how to do this. Just do it. He's like, but I can't find what I need, and it's not here, and I can't find it. It's not here. And I'm like, do you realize that when I was a kid, I had to go to the library? I had to go somewhere to get this information? And if the library was closed because I didn't wait till 10 o'clock at night to tell my parents that I had this assignment, then I had to wait till the next morning and hope I could get in the library quick enough and find the answer by myself in the encyclopedia that I could hopefully get the information. It's totally different. And then I'll go on and say, and, and then back then, the, the phones had cords on them. I mean, can you even imagine this? I had to stand in the kitchen and talk on the phone, and sometimes I even did this, you know. So it was just different. It's a different world. And we would have never worried when we were kids or even growing up, and, and even before we even had an answering machine, we just didn't stress about if somebody was going to call us and we were going to miss it. We didn't think about that. If somebody called you and you missed it, what would happen? They were going to call back eventually, Yeah. You know, it's still true today, too. If somebody calls you and you miss it, they're going to call you back eventually. If it's important enough, or they'll catch up with you at church or at school or home or work, whatever. So it's still true. We just, you know, we got to have it. we got to have that connection. And if our battery's running out on it and our power's running out on it, oh, my goodness. You know, this is aggravating. So much so that we will go buy a phone, get a phone cord with it, you know, a, a charge cord with it, but then we got to go buy more we got to have a phone cord for the car and for this car, and then we got to have extra cords, and then we've got to have longer cords because sometimes we need to plug in and work at the same time and stay connected to it at all times. And so, so all these things are all dependent on one constant. And the one constant with all of it to keep it running is that power source. And if we don't have the power source connected and charged and ready, then our power is going to run out, and that phone is going to become dysfunctional. And something that we have chosen to rely on or something that we have become reliant on is going to just fall apart, and it's going to come to pieces. So today when we look at Ephesians, we start to see that, that Paul talks about this word power a lot. You hear us talk about the word power. Sometimes we talk about the dunamis and how when people were coming up with the name for dynamite, they use that Greek word, and this is an important word throughout Scripture. And Paul is talking about the power that comes from God and how that power is different than any other power that we've got in our life and any other power that we'll come in contact with. So look at with me in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look first and see that he gives us three opportunities. He's praying for these Ephesians. He's praying for the church in Ephesus and saying, I'm praying these things for you. This is what puts me on my knees before the Lord. This is what makes me bow down to God, and this is my heart's prayer for you. It's kind of a summary of everything he said before now. So today, after today, if you want something to read this week for your quiet time, go back and read the first parts of Ephesus and Ephesians and the, the, book, the book to the um, church in Ephesus. Go back and read that and see what he was saying, because this is kind of a recap of all of it. But he starts off and he says these, these three specific opportunities that Paul says we have and three things he was praying for them. The first one I want you to see is that we can experience the power of God's presence. We can experience the power of God's presence, the power that comes from having God in our lives, from having God not just someone we know about, not just something that we've heard about, but God's presence in our lives. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. We're going to read down to start of verse 17. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we kind of have a quick overview of what Paul's prayer is. You know, for this reason, he's basically going on. That kind of sounds funny. It's one of those that makes you want to go backwards. But really, he's kind of pushing us forward. He's saying, for this reason, this is why I bow my knees down and pray to God. And I pray and ask God these things for you. And what I am praying and asking God is that, that God the Father, that God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will interact in your life in a unique way. That you will be connected with him in a unique way. He specifically lists the three persons of the Trinity. He says, I pray for the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's saying, you know, he's talking to a group who's a mixed group. Some of them were Jews, some of them were Gentiles. Many of them were Gentiles. And he's saying in the book of, of Ephesians, he's saying, you know, it doesn't matter where we come from. He's taking those who knew God, the Jewish people, and those who didn't know God, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and he's made us all the same in Christ. Because now we're all the same. We all come to him in faith, and we're one family. And he's saying now we have one father. And this father who we have, he's this one father that we share. He gives to us according to his riches of his glory. He's giving to us these things. And he's praying that God would give them strength. Strength to be powered. To be powered within their inmost spirit, within their soul, by the Holy Spirit. And that through that, they would have the indwelling of Jesus Christ. You know, within children's ministry, I've kind of stayed away for years from saying, ask Jesus to come into your heart, because it can kind of get confusing. And we've even recently had a study for our students that said, stop asking Jesus into your heart. And that sounds kind of weird to some people. But the whole point is, is that we get kind of confused sometimes with that terminology. And and we start to say, you know, well, you know, I did that, so it's settled and done. And we move on and, and don't really think about what we just did. Because it's an ongoing, indwelling presence of God within our lives. So within, with, Christ, with kids, I would often talk about the fact that, that this relationship with Jesus Christ starts when we come to a place we understand our sin, and we choose to follow after Jesus Christ, and we choose to make him our Lord, our boss, and we're choosing to turn away from our sin, and in our brokenness, we're coming to him and accepting his free gift of salvation. Now, what's great about it is, is that his Holy Spirit does come within our lives, and we can share that with kids and with our family members and our friends and, and say, God's Holy Spirit comes within us. And that these passages even say that Christ himself dwells within us. Jesus would say to his disciples in John 15, he would say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who abides in me will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We know the visual of a plant, that if you cut off a piece, what's going to happen to the piece you cut off? It's going to die. It's going to wither up. It's going to be just thrown away. He's saying, if you want to bear fruit in your life, if you want your life to have nourishment, if you want your life to have source of what it needs, it's got to be in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who remains in me or abides in me will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on and he talks about how, and in that same passage, he says you know, that, that, that he is the one that gives us our source. He's the one that, that helps us to bear that fruit. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we read about how Paul would say that he has been crucified with Christ. He would say, nevertheless, I live. And in the life that I live, I now live in, in Christ crucified and, and through his resurrection. It's now Christ who's living within me. And so we can go on and see throughout Scripture that, that this power that we get from God in his presence is indwelling us and working through us. You know, my phone over there, if I had paid a little more attention to it, I might have been able to realize that it had a problem. It's got a little clue for me. It's got a clue in the top right corner of it that helps me to see what's going on with my phone. Y'all know what that clue is in the top right corner? It's the battery indicator. You know, if I'd paid a little more attention to that battery indicator, I might have seen that the battery was running out and that I probably needed to take some steps to make sure that didn't happen. Within our own lives, we've got to look and say, are we experiencing the power of God's presence? 
Are we drawing close to him? There is a direct correlation between our strength and our source of power. I want you to take that as a takeaway for this. There is a direct correlation between our strength and our source of power. Our strength comes from our power, and our power comes ultimately from the Lord. If it's not coming from the Lord, we have to ask ourselves, what is the source of our strength? Where is the source of our power? And are we running on empty in our lives? Not only does he give us this this great opportunity to experience the power of God's presence, but based on that, based on that opportunity to experience God's presence, that relationship with God through his Son, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and ultimately the dwelling of Jesus even within our own lives, within that, we can also grasp the fullness of Christ's love. Let's keep reading in verse 17. In verse 17, he says this to him. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here, Paul is saying to them that that they need to trust in God's power and that God's power is going to give them everything that they need to be able to understand God's love. There's some interesting words that he uses, though. He talks about that they would be able to be rooted and grounded in love, that they would have a firm foundation in Christ's love. But he also talks about how within this love, he says, I pray for you that you will be able to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's in verse 19. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Sometimes in our, in our education programs, sometimes in our ministries, we can sometimes think that knowledge is sort of the replacement for what God's calling us to. We can get lots of information and lots of data and lots of details. But if we don't take that knowledge and information and data and details and translate it into a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we can pass all the trivia questions and we can do really well, but we don't have a heart relationship with him and we're never going to truly understand the love of God. When we have Jesus Christ living within our lives, when we have his Holy Spirit living within us and him working through us, we have the power at our resources. We have the strength at our resources to be able to say, God, I want to know you completely in your love. Think of it this way. If you were to come to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you were to stand and look and look out, how many of you think you'd have the resources to be able to say, just look at it and be able to say exactly how high it is, how deep it is, how wide it is, how long it is? Would anybody be able to do that with just a look? Now, in our modern day, there's lots of technology that helps you with those kinds of things. You know, maybe eventually our smartphones will have that capability. You can just do a quick little scan picture, and it'll just say, yep, there it is. I mean, that would be a pretty cool tool. That's kind of the science that I think they might develop one day. You never know. You know, that'd be a fun thing to be able to do that. Just think, imagine that you'd be able to look across and say, man, wow, look how long that is. Think of this. Here's some of the statistics on the Grand Canyon. The overall size of the place is 1,904 square miles. The river, the Colorado River that winds through the Grand Canyon is 277 miles long. While the overall flight, you know, if you were to start at one end to the other, is just a little over 100 miles, all those windy, creaky paths all through there, those big paths through there, they are over 277 miles long. The average between the north rim to the south rim, the average distance between them is 10 miles apart. In some places, it can exceed up to 18 miles apart between the North Rim and the South Rim. And you could be standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon looking out, and you see a mountain peak out in the Grand Canyon. You see these peaks and places and valleys, and you might not be able to determine exactly how far it is because some days it can be so clear that you can't see and really be able to get an idea of what that distance is. You really can't be able to get that perspective. The Grand Canyon is huge. 
And you would think, okay, so I'm sure they've got some great technologies that have been able to help people map out the Grand Canyon and help people to get an idea of all these measurements and all these things. Well, the interesting thing is they've actually known these measurements for the Grand Canyon for a while. And one of the reasons they've known them is for some very ancient technology. Back in 1923, the U.S. Um, Geological Survey decided they wanted to map the United States. They wanted to make sure they had a full map of the United States. And they sent a team through the Grand Canyon. And they started at one end, pretty much, pretty much at one end, and worked their way through some of the hardest rapids in places that people had never been able to get through. They had waterfalls that they'd get out and have to grab their boats and take them with them along the way. And they used basic surveying technology that was available to them at that time, the scopes and things that they would use, not nearly as advanced as they are today, to be able to get out and survey and measure and go from point to point and be able to draw a line out and say, from this point to this point, it's this many feet and here's the elevations and all those things. They'd go through and draw the first maps. This is a more modern map. It's not necessarily the exact map that they would have drawn. But they went along this path and drew in all these little nooks and crannies. Now today, we can pull up on the Internet, we can take a look at these maps, and we can see the Grand Canyon. We can plan a visit. We know which place we want to go and where we want to stop and how we want to go. They didn't have all of that at their convenience then. And they went and they got into the Grand Canyon day by day, little by little. They had good days as they traveled, going on the rapids and probably having some fun things that none of us may ever experience. They had some amazing things, but some days they had tough days, like the night when they were sleeping and suddenly the water level was rising because of a storm that they didn't know about upstream. By the time they got finished the next morning moving their tents multiple times, the water had risen 21 feet. It had increased from from 10,000, I think it was 10,000 cubic feet per second down to about um, 120,000. And so the water level was just increasing dramatically. They had to wait days for the water level to recede just so they could get back to their last point that they had surveyed. But to get to know the Grand Canyon, they had to get into the Grand Canyon. They had to know it completely from beginning to end. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I want to go one day. I've never stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon and probably stood a step back because I was probably too close and looking a mile down to the bottom. I've never looked out at all the peaks and things, basically looking down on mountains. Never been able to do that. I'd like to do that one day. And if I really wanted to get to the Grand Canyon well, though, I've got to spend time there. I've got to get into the Grand Canyon. I've got to go to it. Some of you have been there. You could tell me things about the Grand Canyon that I've never experienced before. And for me to truly understand it, I've got to get there and be in it. The same is true with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we want to know the love of Christ completely, how wide it is, how long it is, how how deep it is, how high it is, we've got to get into our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't just stay on the sidelines. We can't just know about it. We can't just read about it. We can't just look at pictures about it. We've got to go into it and really get to know it well. And we've got to spend time with him. We've got to spend time in his word. We've got to pray. We need to spend time with other Christians, both within worship and in small group to strengthen us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to show us things about our relationship with God that we've never seen before. All these things are part of trusting in Christ, gaining his strength, and realizing that through this, he gives us the opportunity to grasp the fullness of Christ's love. At the end of verse 19, it said that you may be filled with the fullness of God. This phrase is repeated throughout Ephesians, and each time it's pointing not just to an individual, but it's pointing to the entire church. Paul's prayer was for the church in Ephesus to be filled with the fullness of God. And as they did that, it had to do, one, with following after Christ's lead, but it also had to do with drawing together in unity, in brotherhood, in fellowship, and mutually drawing closer to God together. So we go on from grasping the fullness of Christ's love. As we think about this question, are you getting it? Where's your foundation? Where are you reaching? Where are you at in your relationship with God? And are you aiming for that fullness of Christ's love? 
The last part here is in verse 20 and 21. And this is the part where Paul basically moves from a prayer for them to a prayer with them of praise. We praise the one who does greater things. Read with me in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul goes into what some people call a doxology. It's just a words of praise. It's Paul calling out a prayer of praise to praise God and thank him for the way that he works. Imagine that, that when you pray for people, that you would finish your prayer by saying, God, I have asked all these things and I'm praying all these things, but Lord, I praise you because I know that you can go beyond what I ask and what I imagine. Lord, I know that you can take my prayers and you can take my heart and you can take my desires and you can go beyond that far more beyond what I can think or imagine. Paul is calling for them to to realize that when we act in God's power, our effectiveness increases, he exceeds our plans, and we can turn back to him in praise. When we act in God's power, our effectiveness increases, he exceeds our plans, and we turn back to him in praise. It goes beyond what we can plan or imagine or think. It goes beyond what we can put out there for what God needs to do around us. It goes beyond us in so many ways. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes about how they were facing persecution and hardship and difficulty. And he talks about the gospel message they had to carry to others. And he describes it this way. He says, we have, we have this mystery. We have this great privilege, this great treasure in jars of clay. And he was talking about themselves. He said, we have this in jars of clay so that others will realize that, that it is not by our power that the gospel is carried out. But it's only by the power of God who works within us. So in a fragile pot, the most precious things might be carried. And what he was saying was in this fragile pots of our lives, the most precious cargo of God's treasure, of his kingdom, is carried to those around us. And we carry this to those around us realizing that it's not by our own strength, it's not by our own power, but it's only by his strength, his power, and ultimately for his glory that we're able to do anything for him. Over the last few years, we've been able to make some changes in the way that we do Vacation Bible School decorations. And I've been happy for it because for the last years, it's been making things a little easier for us around here. I don't do as much VBS decorating all the time by myself anymore because now we've got Jeremy too, our children's pastor. But years ago, there were years where I didn't always do a good job of finding volunteers and help and people. And so sometimes it was me and Jay Howard or me and Nathan. We'd be in here until 2 or 3 in the morning painting buildings and putting little windows on and all this kind of crazy stuff. And then a couple of years ago, we recruited Miss Trellis down here to help us out, and we planned out a castle. And so we built a structure and had a plan for a structure and all these things. One of the coolest things about that whole experience, I got to help with that one a little bit more than I did even the years later just because I kind of backed off and let the team take it and run. But one of the things I saw was that we would come together and have these panels and start painting and start putting colors on, and Trellis would tell us, put gray here, put black there. She'd draw out the rough idea, and she'd tell us, and we basically were just filling in the blanks. We were just trying to stay inside the lines. And all of us would just put lots of color on as much as we could. And as a team, we did pretty good covering a lot of boards with paint, which we had always done really well at, covering boards with paint. We could get something up with boards with paint. But then we would step back, and Trellis would start to kind of show us how we could shade certain things or do certain things and change little details here and there and take the basic gray that we had started with and add a little lighter gray here or a little darker gray there. And she could teach it. And and by the end, there were people on the team who were even starting to do some of this themselves. They could go and start to do bits and pieces themselves that they had never done before. And then once it was all put together and put put up in here, 
the whole team was able to kind of come together and see the finishing touches come together as Trellis would come back and add little details. And even though we keep saying, I think we're done, I think we're done, she's like, no, we're not done yet. She's like, we're not done yet. She'd keep going further and further and further. And where I had started with a sketch drawing, and Trellis has seen my sketch drawings, but they're sketchy. So I did a sketch drawing. Sorry, I couldn't resist. So I started with this goofy little sketch drawing. I said, okay, here's how we're going to build it. And we had a plan. It was a good plan. We'd always start with a plan. But I had a plan of what I thought, what I imagined it could be like. But then when the team got together, and really, truly, when God worked through each one of us with each of our unique talents, and then when we had some extra skills that we had never had before added in the mix, we had something that was totally different than what we had had before. Even to the point where years, the next year and the next year, I could step back and say, y'all got this. I'm, I'm staying out of there. Y'all take it, y'all take it and run with it. And that was something that had never happened before. I went from 3 o'clock in the morning painting windows on New York City skylines to, y'all got this. And that was a totally different thing. And I truly say it's a God thing that we were able to do that. That's one of those examples of where God can take something that we have our own plans. We have our own ways of doing it. And sometimes I wonder, how many times do I get in the way? How many times do I say, God, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm imagining. Let's do it this way. And I think it's going to be great. And maybe God lets me do it that way. Maybe it is great. But could it have been greater? God's calling for us to know that he gets the glory and the praise most when we get out of the way and let him do something greater through his strength and his power in us and through us. It goes beyond our plans. It goes beyond our capabilities. And it goes beyond our weaknesses that God wants to work in amazing ways. And when that happens, we can turn back and give him the glory the honor, and the praise. Because we've been able to see his power working through our lives in great and amazing ways. So are you experiencing the full power of the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think? Think about that. Can you look at your life and say, that's the type of power I'm experiencing? Can you say that you're able to do that? What in your life can you point to and say that only God is doing around you? Do you have anything like that? If not, pray and ask God to help you see the power that he's already given you through the Holy Spirit. His working and living in you and working through you. Help him, ask him to help you to see his great love and to help you just get to know him better and better and to just really saturate yourself in that great love, to fully grasp what can't be grasped, to know him completely even though he can't be known completely, to just seek after him each and every day more and more. And through that, he can do greater things than what we ask or imagine. Through our lives, through our families, through our communities, through our small groups, through our church, he can do great things when we're willing to get out of his way sometimes and just trust him to lead us and guide us and do great things. So today as we're we're finishing this out, I want you to think about this, that, that, that this source of power, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a here at church thing. It's not just in your small groups or your Sunday school, your Bible study groups. It's not just on Tuesday mornings when you get together with your accountability partner or when you have Bible study with your family on Thursday night. It's not just those limited times. It's not even just when you get up every single morning if that's what you do and do well. It's not just when you come before God. It's every single day this power is available. Because while I was running around up here trying to find a source of power, my bag, I had another little cool piece of technology that I like. It was only 10 bucks at Walmart. It's a backup battery. And I didn't need to run over here and put my phone where Nick's going to step on it. I didn't need to do that. Because in my 
bag the entire time, I had everything that I needed. If I can not untangle myself here. Everything I needed was right there. I can take my phone. I can plug it in right here. Doesn't matter where I'm at, where I'm going. I've used it at Universal Studios to get my battery back up and going when my battery's dead after looking for signal all day long. I've used it at Gatlinburg. I've used it in the office. I've used it when I didn't have one of these around. Because this is a power source that goes with me everywhere. I don't have to leave that at home. I don't have to just look at this once a day or plug in at a certain location. But I've got a power source that can go with me anywhere I need to go. As Christians, our power source is not limited to one day, one time, and one location. Our power source is an indwelling power source that we can trust in God, follow after Him. And the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who takes care of our salvation and shows His great glory and power through the resurrection and the work that He does in our salvation follows with us each and every day, stays with us each and every day, will lead us when we constantly turn our hearts back to Him. So that's my prayer for me, what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. It's my prayer for our church, that we will understand and know and see the great power and the great strength that's at our fingertips when we follow and trust after Jesus Christ with our whole hearts completely devoted to Him and wait and see what great, amazing things He's going to do for our church, for our families, for our homes, for our communities, for the people around us who don't yet know the Lord. He can do great things when we surrender to him. Let's pray. And as I pray, the band's going to come in and lead us. So we're not going to have necessarily an altar call, but if you want to come down, I'll be down here if you need to, but you can come forward if you'd like to come and pray. But this is really a time for each one of us to examine ourselves and say, are we truly, are we truly trusting in Jesus Christ? Are we truly seeing his great strength and power around us and grasping for that love that's all around us each day through him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for a time just to be able to draw close to you, to quiet our hearts before you, to know that you love us, to know that you care. So Lord, we ask that you just help us during this time, this time of invitation just to come before you, to trust in your power and your strength. Help us to ask these questions of our lives, Lord. Ask us to 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 look at our lives and ask these questions to say, Lord, are we trusting in you? Are we following after you? Lord, are we living in your strength and your power? Are we trying to operate each day on our own? Lord, we thank you that we don't have to be alone, that we can rest in you and we can know that you love us, you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that when the world is shaking around us, that you can keep us rooted and grounded in your love, that you can help us to know what is not knowable, Lord. Where knowledge fails, Lord, help us to know that your love is always there. And Lord, we thank you that we can turn back and praise you as you do great things. So Lord, help us just to get out of the way and to serve you and follow you. To follow you as our Lord and Savior. The one who's done everything needed to save us and take our sins away. And you can do everything that's needed to help us to live this life for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.